0: back I'm Gervier Braum here with Jamal Karsandou and we are screen off script this week we're getting into 2001's The Fast and The Furious and reflecting on all the major movie and TV news of the week
1: on the street it don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile Winning's winning it's not who you know
0: your brother likes you usually he doesn't like anybody it's how fast cop, cop, cop.
1: you can go smoke him. Yeah! And the furious
0: created pg-13 in our first segment we're gonna be talking spoilers for 2001's the fast and the furious uh if you're weird about that then uh you know you can skip around to the timestamps in our description jump it so this week we're talking about 2001's the fast and the furious yes why do we feel like it's important to talk about <laughs> the original fast and the furious
1: well it's been over 20 years yeah number one It's one of the most incredible franchise stories in the history of cinema in terms of how successful it's been from a commercial standpoint, but
0: also just, like, the fans or the stands. that
1: The Fast and the Furious has generated.
0: It's kind of crazy, right? Like, when you look at just this whole franchise, it's the weirdest story in the world. Like, I, I sometimes I'll watch back this 2001 movie. Yeah be like how did we get here right you know what I mean like it's just the oddest story because when you look at like the story of the Fast and Furious they they were really obviously very successful as the first one but to a degree it was almost like a cult classic yeah and then it went to the second one being also very successful even Tokyo Drift was like moderately successful like might not be as big as the first two but all of a sudden people were still behind it as a franchise and there was always that tease of like oh Dom's back and there was like the whole Japan angle and all that kind of stuff and then from four on, it was like a rocket got strapped to this franchise and it just completely took off.
1: Yeah, I think there were a few things that happened in the timeline of the franchise, right? So you had Vin Diesel, who obviously became a big star off the back of the Fast and the Furious, but he had a few other projects like Pitch Black. Obviously, that ended up being the Riddick franchise. Mm. And then he was trying to almost carve out his own franchise with Triple X, and that didn't work out. Yeah. And he opted to do Triple X versus do. The Fast and the Furious sequels, and then as we get to Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift, everyone's like, "Well, this isn't the franchise is going in the wrong direction." Yeah, it's going in the wrong direction, both from plot, story, from commercial angle, and then he comes back. Yeah, and it reinjects so much life into the into the whole franchise, and then the Rock comes in, and then and then yeah, you're right. After that, we're off to the to well, race. It's a rocket ship, and yeah.
0: and the crazy thing about it is. What they, I think they realized in the first two was that we really care about the characters in this first one. That's really what it is. This whole story, no matter where it goes and how crazy it gets, the foundation is the Brian O'Connor character, the Dominic Toretto character, Mia, Letty, like all of the main, those are like the main four. And as long as they're part of it, I think fans are generally going to be pretty happy. The core four? The core four, if you will. But on top of that, it's just like... You can see when they deviated from that and they're like, okay, cool. This is just a story about cars. It's not a story about cars for the fans. Like they are following these characters.
1: There's actually a really cool story about how this film got made. And it's actually very, very similar to how Top Gun got made mm-hmm. in the 80s. There was just a, a magazine article talking about streetcars and the culture of uh, street racing. Yeah, And what happened was the the producers and Rob Cohen kind of saw that and they hey, there's potentially a movie here based upon the culture. And then that's how they fleshed out the story and everything. And it's very similar to what happened with Top Gun. It was literally just like this kind of like ad and uh, advertisement infomercial about just joining the Navy and kind of being like a Top Gun jet fighter pilot. And they kind of just fleshed out a movie. That's why if you think about it, like Top Gun in terms of plot is actually very, very weak than the first movie. But it's all about the 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 pop culture moments the the characters and the one-liners and the music and the and the iconography of the moment and in fact it, when you look at 2001, the Fast and the Furious, it's so much of a time capsule yeah. of the early 2000s. It's actually like, now looking back 20 years later, when you look at how they were, how the people in the movie are dressed, how they talk, how uh, the cars look, the music that's involved in the soundtrack, yeah. it's also very
0: much reminiscent of there 20 years ago. It's kind of crazy, right? Because it just doesn't feel like what we have now. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it feels very night and day. Like it starts off like a, a moderate crime movie right like they went from stealing speakers and shit like that's what they were doing and now they just went to space like that's a really big disparity of like what actually is happening like how did that even happen Mm. uh first off but second when i think about this movie it's just the the way it should have gone like honestly like even before we move on to the actual specifics of this movie i feel like when you if you were to watch this movie every movie afterwards it almost you expect it to have gone straight to dvd yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's what should have happened in an alternate timeline of, uh, of the Fast and Furious franchise. I didn't even watch Tokyo Drift at the cinema. Yeah. I thought at that point, oh, this
1: looks like a bootleg B-movie. B I'm going to just watch it when it comes on TV. Or I, know. Me too. I, I think
0: I ended up watching it on DVD, in fact. Me too. I never ended up like, caring about the franchise. It wasn't until, like, The Rock kind of came in and everything kind of just changed, Yeah. right? And then the weird thing is that it wasn't because, like, oh, The Rock's this biggest star and he buoyed this franchise and success. It almost felt like a perfect storm, right? Like when The Rock was doing this, this was around like WrestleMania 28 as well. And it felt like everything took off together. Mm. The Rock's career, the Faster Furious franchise, it's weird that they kind of deviated, but they felt like they kind of actually worked really well together and it's also yeah so like I, I think like all of that perfect timing and everything like that and isn't
1: it cool to kind of like look back at at, at this kind of movie and you kind of see the the career trajectories like stars were born from yeah. this movie vin yeah. diesel obviously been the biggest one mm-hmm. paul walker had a, had a really good run yeah un, until obviously his like untimely like you know passing away but if he was still alive like i i definitely think he would still be a major player popping up in movies and tv shows and all the rest of it and then you know, I, I thought at the time, oh, maybe Jordana Brewster is going to have a career. Mm-hmm. She actually ends up being the one that is very much only really appearing in the Fast and the Furious movies at this yeah. point. And it ends up being Michelle Rodriguez, who actually has a, a a better like career in terms of popping up in other movies and other TV shows yeah. and isn't just tied to the Fast and the Furious franchise. Yeah,
0: and it's odd because, like, obviously, she's part of, like, the biggest franchise maybe ever with Avatar, right? And I think that's, like... That's just a massive thing for her to have in her back pocket. But uh, on top of that, when you talk about like the careers of like Vin Diesel and Paul Walker and see how they kind of changed based on that. If you just watch this movie in 2001, I think most people thought Paul Walker was about to become like the biggest star in the world. Mm. Because it really felt like he was a part of like everything. And it felt like just the properties that he was a part of. It just felt like him himself... He was becoming like a marketable name at that time. That's so interesting that you say that
1: because maybe that might have been your experience. My experience in the UK was Vin Diesel's the guy. Yeah. Like from that movie, like I remember like um, going to some of my like female friends at university in their kind of like bedrooms and they've got posters of Vin Diesel oh, and Vin not, Diesel. not not Paul Walker. Oh, that felt very different. Yeah. And like even from like a a, a a male perspective, I was like, oh, we kind of had the Arnie and Stallone era of the 80s and the early 90s. And then then we kind of went through kind of like this era where where the Matt Damon era, kind of the the smaller guy. And I actually thought, yo, Vin Diesel throwback. He's actually kind of like that big, muscular, beefy, no-nonsense guy. And he's going to probably be like the new era of like an Arnie coming through and making his own type of action movies. And which is kind of funny, he ends up doing that in his career to various levels of success mm-hmm. in terms of what they kind of actually are in terms of critical acclaim and also what they are in terms of box office. Yeah. Um. But yeah, when I look back at who I thought was perceptually and actually going to become a big star, it wasn't Paul Walker. It was more Vin Diesel. And I always thought about him and I was like, he's got a different look.
0: Yeah. Paul Walker's blonde hair, blue-eyed, like, dime a dozen. Well, that's what I mean, though. Like, he fit, like, this really specific aesthetic Stereotype, of, like, yeah. it felt like, all right, cool. Like, you know he's going to be, like, that heartthrob, and, like, right. he'll be a star regardless. Mm-hmm. When uh, when I'm looking at, like, the next action star, I remember around this time it felt like there was, like, a void. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, even when you think of uh, specifically, like, a moment in, like, the rundown. Mm. I remember with The Rock, and I think that's his first movie, and he's just walking by Arnold Schwarzenegger, and uh, it's basically like a passing of the torch moment. Yeah. And I remember thinking back then, like, they really wanted somebody, right? Like, there was, like, a, a need for someone to kind of take the role of the next big action hero. Right. And, it like, when you look back at it, this was a really pivotal time, and it ended up being the people they thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, against all odds, Vin Diesel did end up being this massive action star, and same thing with The Rock. And, yeah. obviously, there's a lot of other people as well. But it's just interesting to see how this movie kind of affected... Uh, that whole genre of like action movies. Yeah. And on top of that, just the, the surgence of like so many people acting like they cared about cars. Yes. <laughs> Do you remember that? Like just everybody felt like they knew about everything about cars. You know, it's crazy. So I've never been into cars Me neither.
1: my entire life. Yeah. Uh, I understand and respect the culture. Like everybody has their thing, whatever they, whatever they geek and yeah, out about, absolutely. right? Uh, cars was never my thing. And Which is kind of crazy because even though I'm not into cars, I really, really loved this first movie. Mm. I loved it because it was kind of like, uh, you know, it's the turn of the millennium. This is 2001. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's a new millennium and we're kind of out of the 90s now. We're like, all right, what's the next? level what's the next evolution of cinema and movies and what kind of uh, action movies are we going to get who are the new stars yeah and it kind of just felt like so much so much of this movie ticked a lot of boxes in terms of giving something fresh and new also serving a new and emerging audience yeah right like when you think about how multicultural the cast is in the in the whole franchise and what they're serving the music that's used we hadn't seen this before in movies
0: yeah you know what also on top of like uh, on top of all of that it felt like uh, Hollywood was starting to realize like okay cool. Uh, just in culture it started to realize that not everything has to be massively broad. We're mm-hmm. going to start like exploring these niche cultures more.
1: Yeah, and like all the characters in this movie are like very rebellious, go yeah. against the grain. Like even the Paul Walker character, Brian O'Connor, it's like he's a cop, but it,
0: again, the, the funny thing about this movie is it's it's, it's breakpoint. Everything is got to be anti-authority in this era. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have you can't be like if you even if you're a cop you have to be a cop who's kind of rebellious. Have you seen Breakpoint? No, actually, I actually haven't. haven't. Okay, so fantastic,
1: Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves, and it's basically the exact same movie, but in the world of surfing. Okay, okay, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I figure. Like these are these are very right. Movie movies, yeah. So, so in
1: terms of just like the plot. It's rinse repeat. We've seen it in other movies. We yeah. know what we're doing here. Yeah. Right. But again, you just bring that to the world of street racing and it's California, LA and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. It gives a whole different I vibe and spin so to the whole good. damn thing. Yeah. We'll put it on my tab at Harry's. Yes. I got to get you racing again so I can make some money off your ass. There's a showdown in the desert called Race Wars and that's where you'll do it. I'll tell you what. When you're not working at Harry's, you're working here. If you can't find the right tool in this garage, Mr. Arizona, you don't belong near
0: a car. When you do think about like the effect this had on like uh, car culture and all that kind of stuff, the one thing that I did find annoying about this movie is kind of like how they talk about cars in a gatekeeping way. Like he has this one quote where he says, "If you can't find what you need in this garage, you don't belong around cars." And it's like bro, can I just, can I ask you a question? Like, is that okay? Like, I don't know why it has to be so specifically serious. Yeah, yeah. But I, this movie was definitely very influential in how, like, cause again, somebody who doesn't care about cars at all, it definitely affected how I view like, okay, cool. That's a cool car. Yeah. Like I remember thinking like a Toyota Supra is like the coolest car in the world. Right. Right. I, I don't think I would have had that, had uh, this movie not come around. And like, I remember even before that, like my, point of caring about cars is like the DeLorean and like the Batmobile. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't care about like a Ferrari or something like that. 100%. Um, I
1: remember watching the the DVD after it came out, and I loved all the features and the behind the scenes. And like the stuff that I found most fascinating was how they were trying to be innovative in terms of our, how do we show a 10 second race? Yeah. But we slow it down and we kind of like zoom in and kind of show the speed and the velocity of the cars and all the kind of stuff. We show the NOS
0: doing the work. Like, yeah.
1: There were some really interesting things that they were. Were doing for the very first time that again like i said hadn't been seen in cinema before
0: yeah yeah and on top of that like i remember just playing like video games around this time and it just kind of all meshed together really well all like, the games was it need, for, need speed? for speed bro need for speed underground 2 mm. for me is that was the game that was so much fun and that's how i like i got much more into all this kind of stuff right but, right um one thing i want to ask is like how do you feel about this movie as a movie about family you don't turn your back on family
1: even when they do see here's the thing in this movie it is about family but it's not they're not hitting you over the head with it. Yeah. It's it's later in the franchise or when it becomes so gimmicky. That's a that you're yeah. you're waiting for the line yeah, where Vin yeah,
0: Diesel yeah. says family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's very memey. But like uh, In this movie, it doesn't feel like that. It yeah. feels very authentic and organic. You know what? I actually feel like I, I like how they approach this, like the idea of family in this movie. It's almost like in in the sense of like creating a family you want instead of like just having the one that you're born with. And yeah. Not everyone like I, I feel like I'm very fortunate where I do love my family, right? Like, and that's one thing I I think I don't take for granted, but on top of that, what this kind of movie really shows is like, you know, uh, it's just like the idea of like creating family with like Mm. people that you choose to have around you. Yeah. And I think that is like that I love about this movie. It's, it's like that, the old saying it's like, can't pick your family, but you can pick
1: your friends, yeah. and your friends are your family. Exactly, and that's that is literally this movie. Yeah, they're exactly. all friends. They love the the world that they inhabit in terms of street racing and the culture. They work together. They are they're not working nine to five corporate jobs, and they're obviously suburban kids living in the ghetto doing their thing, and that kind of brings them all together.
0: Yeah, 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 exactly. I think that's like the redeemable quality about this movie. It makes mm. me like that's what makes me actually like this movie. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I could not care less about like you said mix and match add whatever genre you want it's the the core story about them actually being a unit is the I think the most important part that's why I like this first movie so damn much it's actually got heart and soul yeah and not only that but like even like the relationship aspect like Paul Walker and uh, Jordana Brewster as Brian and Mia like at the heart of it it's just a guy who was like working undercover who like fell for somebody right and like that carries them through for like as like a, a thread throughout the entire goddamn franchise Right, and if it wasn't for them getting that over in this movie, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have mattered. 100%. None of it would have mattered. Yeah. Where were you? There were masked cops here. They came in from every direction. That shit was orchestrated. This your beer? Yeah, this is my beer. Yo, Einstein, take it upstairs. You Can't detail
1: a car with the cover on. It. You can get that right. You all right? Am I all right? Is just a question yo John why'd you bring the buster here because the buster kept me out of handcuffs he didn't just run back to the fort the buster brought me back
0: what about as far as not not the main cast right obviously we have the core four we just mm-hmm. called them but yeah, like yeah. who else kind of stands out to you as like your favorite parts about this movie? That's a great question, man.
1: You know what's what's, what's interesting is like, so Ja Rule has a- (laughs) Yo, he's
0: mine too. (laughs) Like, he
1: has like a small role. Like, uh, it's a little bit more than a cameo. Like, it's enough where he's got some like dialogue and whatnot. But again, you have to understand something. 2001- Ja Rule was the man yo for real he was the man I was in college and like he was him and Murder Inc were just banger after banger after banger yo
0: honestly people forget like the impact and there's I think obviously two things that I think are massively influential in the Ja Rule story is at at his peak he gets number one destroyed by 50 Cent Yeah. (laughs) obviously everyone knows that but number two the Dave Chappelle
1: I remember right around September 11th uh, Ja Rule was on MTV. That's what they said. They said, we got Ja Rule on the phone. Let's see what Ja's thoughts are on this tragedy. Who gives a fuck what Ja Rule thinks at a time like this? This is ridiculous. I don't want to dance.
0: I'm scared to death. I want some answers that Ja Rule might not have right now. You think when bad shit happens
1: to me, I'll be in the crib like, oh my God, this is terrible. Cause somebody, please. Find Ja Rule, get hold of this motherfucker so I can make sense of all this. Where is Ja Yeah,
0: And like that changed ja the entire perception of Ja Rule. Mm-hmm. It just was so in the gutter. Yeah, And we never, I don't think he's ever recovered since then.
1: I think unless you lived it, you don't understand
0: yeah. how big he
1: was. <laughs> Yo, for real. Like on the radio, on music videos, like it oh. was just him, Ashanti. Like I said, the whole Murder in Crew were like for for a good couple of years, they were the number one act in hip-hop and R&B. Bro,
0: not only that, but, like, around that time, like, when you try to contextualize this as a thought, Ja Rule was so big that Jay-Z and DMX and Ja Rule were, like, a super group at one point. And they were <laughs> going to create, like, an album together. Well,
1: that's like, wild.
0: that's how big this situation was. But <laughs> he has some of, like, the most iconic, like, small scenes in the entire movie. Like, even the whole... Monica! Like that stands Menage. out. Menage! Yeah, so much of this stuff stands
1: out in my head so yeah. much. He's got good lines. He like, really does. He,
0: like he's not there for a long time, but he's there for a good time. Very, for a very enjoyable time. And yeah. that is another thing that I will say about this movie. So many memorable, just lines. Yes. Right? And that yes. is like part of, uh, later on when we talk about our categories, when we talk about like best scenes and all that kind of stuff, a lot of it is like the, the racing stuff is really cool, but I walk away with so many lines that like are massively quotable that I think about all the time. Oh, yeah, 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 If somebody is, like, very close to, like, uh, in any situation, like, if, if you just beat somebody in anything else, I always think about ask any racer any real racer yeah yeah. it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile winning's winning that is the line that's the line
1: i i've used for years it's still like a part of my vernacular like
0: i've got it in my toolbox yeah like if
1: there's a scenario where i feel like it's appropriate i'm busting
0: that line out i'm busting that line out 100 percent. and also uh the buster brought me back i love that one too (laughs) um yeah let's get into our categories though what about uh, as far as best character go who did you end up with this one it was vin diesel
1: for me as dominic Toretto. like again his character evolves into something larger than life across the franchise but in this first movie man he literally has this intensity on screen where you really feel like he could snap at any moment and at the same time it's again going back to the very first time watching this movie i'm like yo that's a fresh face. Yeah, that's the kind of face that we haven't seen before. I'd only, I only, I remembered seeing him in two movies prior to the Fast and the Furious. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was Saving Private Ryan, and then the other one was Pitch Black. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. And I was like, "Yo, this is this is this a new guy?" Yeah, he yeah.
0: ends up being a new guy. He ends up being a new guy. Um, for me, it's Dom too. He really is like a legend in this movie. Yeah. Like, if you were to just take just this performance as Dom in this first movie, and uh, you don't add all like the nonsense of what comes later. He's a really like he is a meme at the end of the day. Like later on he's a meme, but he's even a meme in this movie. But he is like a really cool character in this one. Like super cool. Like Yo, he, he is fun. Like he's really a fun
1: character. Again, I'm telling you right now it didn't happen in the UK because of the weather. I'm telling you right now, there must have been so many people in the US that are wearing like black and white wife beaters yeah. and they're going skinhead and they're trying to like rock the Vin Diesel, like Dominic or look. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it was a vibe back then. I'm telling yeah. you, I saw his posts on many, 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 many walls. I'm
0: not surprised, but I, I definitely feel like the the impact of the Dom character has just changed so much that it's almost hard to contextualize what this movie is. Yeah. Um. What about as far as best scenes go? So I've got two. Yeah. And they're very, very different. One is what you just referenced. It is,
1: it doesn't matter if you win burning to a mile, winning's winning. That line at the end of that race is just perfect. Yeah, It's the perfect line. It's so quotable. It's an iconic scene from the movie. Mm-hmm. But what I think actually is my favorite scene in the movie is when Dom finds out Brian is a cop and the music hits a crescendo and... There's this intensity about Vin Diesel's performance in terms of him just realizing what just happened. And before they have to go back to the situation of like looking after their friend like who's just been shot, yeah. there's a two, three second moment in that scene where you are scared for Paul Walker. You are scared for Brian O'Connor. You're like, oh my God, is Vin Diesel actually about to snap and kill this guy? And I love his performance in that scene because it's so, so damn intense. It's so memorable, man. The crazy
0: thing is like when you think back at number one, the impact of what Jesse did in that, like to think of how the the series of events that guy set off by being an idiot and like putting his car up uh, in a race for pink slips or whatever, right? Like think if he just didn't do that. The rest of the Fast and Furious franchise just doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) maybe they just go to jail. Like I don't know what it is, but to think if they just avoided that number one, but number two, uh, I think it's uh that last little race as well mm. where they it's just a quarter mile and they're just facing each other. It makes also the GTO like one of the most equally iconic cars in film. Hundred percent. Like I think whenever I think of like a badass muscle car, that's the first one that comes to mind. Yeah. And it's specifically because of this movie. Right. And on top of that, just to see like what it kind of kicks off. Cause if it's not for that race, then everything else kind of uh just stays status quo.
1: And it's Brian Connor keeping to his promise, returning a 10 second car yeah. to Dominic Crow
0: Yeah, it's a really badass line. That's a great way to end this movie. It's yeah. Honestly, like, this is a really fantastic movie. It's, and, it's, yeah. such, it's such a great way to end the movie because they didn't know that they were going to
1: start a franchise. Yeah. They're just trying to make the best movie they can, right? Yeah. So it kind of, it leaves it open-ended, yeah. but it's also a satisfying conclusion to that particular story Yeah, regardless of
0: what happens exactly, next. Exactly, exactly. I completely agree. And uh, yeah, that's why it makes, I, I think as a standalone, if this was just a movie by itself, I really think like people would look back at it with like a little bit of reverence. Mm. You know what I mean? Like pretty much when you think of like other movies in this era, like I'm sure this would be up there and it already is in a way, but it would be even more so up there as like a, like an underrated gem almost.
1: I'll tell you something right now. I haven't looked at like the, the the top 50 movies of 2001. I'm telling you right now, this would make my list of top 10 movies of that year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, It was a big enough movie in that year that had an impact on me that I enjoyed so much mm-hmm. that I was like yo I need to get this DVD the day it comes out cuz like I need to find out more about how this was made and at that time I'm about to go into like film school so I'm already kind of in that kind of you know frame of mind where I'm yeah. like interested about new filmmakers and new movies and new innovative skills in terms of like film production man this was a really really big 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 movie for me when I was like what 19
0: in 2001 yeah and this is like definitely like um it definitely feels like a movie that it, obviously it has like its cult pop culture like impact down the line, but it's it's really just a fantastic fantastically well told uh story of that era, and like you said yeah. it's a perfect time capsule of that time um also think about this right the reason why the whole franchise, which has obviously
1: changed so much mm-hmm. as we've mentioned over the last twenty years. It kept its fan base. And those fans turned into stands because no other movie had serviced them. No other movie or franchise had served that culture specifically. And Frost and the Furious continuously made sure that they tipped the cap to their original fans. And that's why those fans have become generational fans now. Because yeah. those fans are now parents and they must be taking their kids and saying, oh, I remember when I was like 16 and I was getting into cars and this movie was really impactful on my life.
0: Yeah, and it it's weird, right? Because when I think about this movie, like when I think about like a new Fast and Furious movie, I'm almost sometimes watching it as a joke. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm going in to laugh a lot of the times because it's so over the top. Sometimes it feels like a Bollywood movie more yeah. than anything, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like for real. and And it's even like when I compare other franchises to like when they do get ridiculous... The, the metaphor back in the day would have been a jump the shark moment. like, uh, And that would have been referenced to like Happy Days and The Fawns and like a, literally an episode where they jumped the shark, right? Yeah. And, and nowadays when we talk about like a franchise that becomes ridiculous, we talk about it like, this feels like Fast and Furious now. What, what did we just do that felt like Fast and Furious? Scream. <laughs> exactly. There we go. It feels and- like Scream has taken the blueprint
1: of how Fa- uh, Fast and the Furious has kind of like spread its wings. Yeah. Created this kind of universe and its own rules in terms of how it works. And people are cool to buy into that. And they're not can, you know, looking at the general rules of other action
0: movies. And not only that, but when I think of like- uh, on the other side of it, like a franchise like John Wick. Yeah. And I think about how cohesive and how everything feels like it's... Even though I'm sure they didn't have, like, you know, part four lined up when they were doing part one, it feels like they figured out a story that makes sense from the start to the finish. Mm-hmm. This movie is, like, very much standalone, and they've just figured it out along the way, and they just do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's such a carte blanche. Do Like, they don't... Like, they when you talk about rules... in in a franchise Fast and Furious has zero rules they don't have to live by anything they can go by like when we talk about where can they go next how ridiculous it is that they went to space when we talk about they can time travel or aliens or something ridiculous nothing feels out of the realm possibility for this franchise it's
1: come to the point and it's going to be the same thing when we watch Fast 10 or Fast X or however you pronounce it and that's the reason why we're doing this because
0: it's coming up yeah yeah it's like it, it
1: it has become for me like, I'm going to shut my brain down for a few hours. Yeah. I'm just not going to take this movie too seriously. And, and compare that to... Going into 2001's Fast and Furious, I was like, yo, I'm locked in. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, so yeah. into this movie. Let's yeah. fucking go.
0: Now, when I go into a Fast and Furious franchise, uh, movie, I just feel like, all right, cool. I'm just going to have a good time. Yeah. I'm not tripping about nothing else. Yeah, yeah. I don't even, like, I will laugh at stuff that makes no sense. Yeah. But that's all part of the enjoyable experience of it all. And plus, we're pro wrestling fans, and to see this franchise have gone from
1: using The Rock to now using John Cena. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just like so like laid into what we like
0: anyway. They just get how over the top they are yeah. and they serve that. Yeah. Um, what about as far as star ratings go, zero being the worst, five being the best. Where does this movie end up?
1: This first movie, like I said, one of my favorite movies of 2001. I'm giving it a 4.5. I love it. Wow. It's super rewatchable. Yeah. I, it's got iconic lines, a fantastic cast of characters. A plot that we've seen in other movies before, but it works. And the fact that they've taken it away away from other scenarios, like I mentioned, the, the, the breakpoint situation with surfing and put it into the world of street racing is fantastic. And I actually think this is probably not just Vin Diesel's best movie, but I think Rob Cohen as a director, this is his best movie as well.
0: Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree with that. I'm going with uh, 3.5. I think, I echo all those sentiments, right? Like, it is a fantastic movie. It's so much fun. And to this day, it's still... As far as like niche films go, and introducing uh, just a wide audience to like a subgenre or like a, a sub a subculture, even this is like up there among everything, right? Mm. But uh, it just you, you can you know I, I just feel like as good as it as it is, I still am aware and I still have like a sense of perspective when I'm like, I really like it, but sometimes I feel like I'm grading it on a curve based on everything else that comes mm. along the way. I feel you. you I feel I mean? you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if if this movie is a 10 in the Fast and Furious world, which it is like in that sense, everything else is just like so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I'm, I'm almost like viewing it in like a, in, like, a weird, like, contained way. It's kind of wild as
1: well because as wackier that, it, that it's got, it's just become more and more successful. Yeah.
0: Like, it, it's it, some of these movies have made over a billion dollars, which Genuinely, is wild. My biggest thing when I watch these movies is just, I just don't fully understand it, but, like, it's cool. Yeah, I'm here for it. Yeah, um, But, yeah, that's everything for The Fast and Furious. We're going to be revisiting this, obviously, once Fast 10 comes out. So uh, consider this almost like a precursor for all of that. But uh, let's get into the last segment of the show. Let's get right. Can you hit me with Sandu's Peck? This is a bit of a weird and interesting
1: recommendation this week because it's a movie that's almost so bad that it's good, Mm -hmm. right? It's a bit of a guilty pleasure watch for me or a guilty pleasure rewatch because it's not that great of a movie, if I'm being honest with you, right? (laughs) But I'm still going to recommend it. So it's Days of Thunder from 1990, and it's Tom Cruise and director Tony Scott who tried to recreate the magic that they had created with Top Gun, right? They obviously didn't quite hit the mark with Days of Thunder, but it is still a fun movie and it's a time capsule for the early 90s in terms of the mu- the, the music that's used, the iconography, the pop culture, Nicole Kidman making her movie debut, meeting, you know, Tom Cruise on set, they have a relationship that happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. Again, like I said, it's not the best movie, it's not the best Tom Cruise movie, or the best Tony Scott movie, but there's just something about Days of Thunder that has always made me kind of like, yeah, if it's on, I'm going to throw it on. Yeah. It's got some iconic one-liners and some great scenes as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally believe that. Um, It's funny because the movie I'm going with, it's it's not a movie about cars, but much like Fast and Furious, it's a movie where the cars like are, are the reason it's happening. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and my pick is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, They steal Cameron's dad's Ferrari and have one of the best days ever. I love this movie so much. It's probably my top, like, 10 of, like, comfort movies, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is about, like, not losing your spirit even though, like, life can, can feel bad and, like, it's pulling people back up when they're down, right? Like, that's what this movie, in essence, is really about. It's two friends and one guy just going out of his way to make his friends day better right I love that yeah yeah right? like I, I think that's just fantastic and um, it's a b- movie like I said about the value of friendship and not letting the bad things in life stop you from experiencing the good things in life right mm-hmm. and at the the very least John Hughes is just like this incredible director like no one has done coming of age movies like John Hughes mm-hmm. and he's a master and I would even say this is this just might be his masterpiece maybe yeah right and, and on top of that it's just no one seems to understand like the struggle of growing up like John Hughes does and this movie even more so than Breakfast Club because Breakfast Club very much sometimes feel like okay cool, we're talking about these very specific type of people right and talking about the nuance among like jocks and nerds and all that kind of stuff but this movie just almost like lets these kids be kids yeah and you kind of just are on this ride like literally on this ride with them and uh yeah I I, I if I can recommend like This would be among the top recommendations of any movie I've seen. If you haven't seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off for some reason, go out of your way to watch it.
1: I love that recommendation. And can I just say, you know what movie I almost recommended that would have tied in perfectly to Fast and Furious, but I opted for Days of Thunder. I almost recommended Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. With Nicolas Cage. That's a good one too. Again, him teaming up with Jerry Bruckheimer. And maybe this is like a bonus recommendation. I don't know, right? (laughs) But the reason that came to mind was Fast and Furious comes out. Literally, I think a year later or maybe max two years later. I can't remember the exact time frame, but Gone in sixty seconds comes out. And the funny thing is Gone in 60 Seconds focused on the luxury end cars. yeah, The Ferraris, the Lamborghinis, the Mercedes, right? Fast and the Furious is all about the common car that you can kit up, yeah, the Honda yeah, Civic. Yeah. And you can just kind of work on it and work on it. It's the, it's the, the blue collar working man kind of car that you can soup up you know, after a period of time. Yeah. And I don't know if that is why... Gone in 60 Seconds didn't become like a franchise yeah. and Fast and the Furious did where it was maybe more in tune
0: with just the more common people I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to explain <laughs> the success of <laughs> Fast and Furious I'll tell you that number one but number two I will say all of those movies that you mentioned all, it's funny because the, the biggest tie-in for me in my experience of like just all of them, yeah. is, is they feel like movies I would have ran across on TV. Right. You know what I mean? Like, just randomly flipping channels and just being like, oh, Gone six 60 Seconds is on. Yeah, or- yeah. Uh, days of thunders is on or fast and furious like one of those movies is going to end up being on tv within that year right right like right. for sure yeah but yeah that's everything for this week's episode where can anybody find us this week
1: we are at screen off script on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok we're available on spotify and apple podcasts and hey listen do us a favor if you enjoyed the podcast today rate and review us it honestly goes a long way on helping our show get found by new audiences awesome thank you for checking us thank you for checking us out this week guys Take care.